Hello everyone, before we got into the podcast, I wanted to make sure I gave you some information. Uh, as always, I have the Veterans Crisis Line, so if you're having a mental health emergency, please contact 911 or call 1-800-273-8255, press option 1. That is the Veterans Crisis Line. I've made it very clear from the very beginning, I am not any kind of a counselor, certified counselor. I'm not qualified or capable of talking somebody off a ledge, so to speak, or helping somebody in a crisis situation. But if you want to talk, I'm here to listen. If you want to be on the podcast, get in touch with me. Uh, recently started Twitter. Evidently, that's a thing. My Twitter handle is at J, V as in Victor, E R H A L E N is November. So that's at J Verhalen on Twitter. Uh, look me up on Twitter. Uh, contact me on Facebook. Facebook group is the same name as the podcast. It's Voices of America's Veterans. Slowly but surely building that up. It's not much to look at now, but constantly trying to make improvements. Or you can email me at neveralone, never forgotten at yahoo.com. That's never alone, never forgotten, all one word at yahoo.com. But again, if you're having any kind of an emergency, have somebody you need to talk to somebody, you know, right now. Number is 1-800-273-8255. Press option 1 or you can text them at 838-255. So again, you know, I'm not a crisis counselor. I'm just somebody who cares very deeply about this situation and about helping veterans. But I'm not qualified to give any kind of counseling or any kind of crisis intervention or help people at the crisis line or 911 they are all right so any kind of an emergency any kind anytime you need to get in touch with somebody right now those are the people to do it and if you want to be on the podcast or you want to reach out to me do my best to answer as quickly as possible across all the platforms that I use so again twitter at jverhalen facebook group is voices of america's veterans or Email me at neveralone, neverforgotten at yahoo.com. And now, on with the show. To all of America's veterans, someone is always listening. You are never alone, and you are never forgotten. Hello, this is Joey Verhalen, and welcome to Voices of America's Veterans. This is a special episode, because even though this show is dedicated to veterans... Uh, I have somebody who here who's very important to me and who has helped the active duty and the veteran community a lot. Uh, again, someone very special to me, the woman who has to sleep with me, my wife, the wonderful, the beautiful, the amazing, uh, Sheila Verhalen. Sheila, why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself? Hi, I am Joey's wife. <laughs> Keep going. And... All right, we're, we're going to warm her up. It'll get better, I promise. Uh, so, yeah, as I said, this is my wife. She introduced herself as my wife, so, you know, you have confirmation. Not just a random woman that I'm saying is my wife. Uh, one of the reasons why I wanted to have her on here is because uh, she has worked with veterans, aside from just putting up with me, which is work in itself. Uh, she's worked with active duty and been around a lot of veterans, uh, you know, at one point she was working on base in the medical clinic, so she was working side by side, uh, active duty and in her pr medical profession. 
she's dealt with a lot of veterans. Uh, so, she Sheila, Mr. Halen, <laughs> uh, is there anything you feel like sharing from your experiences working with that section of society, that cross-section, that group, whatever you want to call it, that demographic? Uh, I prefer to refer to them as a group of amazing individuals, but is there anything that sticks out to you that you'd like to share or talk about? Are you talking about active duty or? or I mean, either themselves? either one. Let's uh, say anything you feel like sharing. I don't know. I always um, talk to my patients every day. I work in a medical clinic. I'm a medical assistant, and um, we actually see a lot of uh, vets in clinic. But they see my lanyard that I wear with my badge on it, and I is the same one I wore. Um, when I worked on base, it says Navy. Um, so they automatically, you know, ask me, were you in the Navy or somebody, you know, in the Navy? And, and I said, well, my husband was active duty and then I worked for the medical clinic on base, um, with active duty corpsmen and, um, you know, took care of the, um, dependents as well. And it was really, um, an awesome job for me. It was really hard to leave that job. I really found it very rewarding. Um, one of those reasons being is I always wanted to join the military, but uh, due to health reasons, I was not able to. Um, so it was really my way of feeling like I was giving back. Um, you know, and also learning right alongside with with the active duty field med things like that um, we don't do like that trauma training you know in a private clinic so I really like that and uh, just could see some of the the way things were in that setting following chain of command, um, seeing how things worked in that aspect where. So you're, you're saying j just to paraphrase, you're saying you were, you were a civilian working on the medical clinic on base, but you were working side by side, the active duty corpsman. And one of the things that went along with that, you know, you weren't, Again, you weren't active duty, but you were responsible to the chain of command. You know, you, you had your own separate part of it, but, you know, you did need to work with and you were answerable to the military chain of command. Right, and we addressed them as such and learned very quickly that there is a way of doing things. And if you circumvent that or try to circumnavigate and do things your way, it ends up very badly for you. Um, it's just... It was, it was really fulfilling, though. It, it made me appreciate so many different things that the active duty have to, to go through. Some of it um, was we did a lot of exit physicals. I uh, can't remember what they're called. And, you know, seeing what they've endured in their service career some of them is some of the things that 
they would tell us and you know that I never saw in my personal life the injuries that sustained and uh, you know things with their psyche they had to deal with a lot of times alone which should never ever ever be that way there should always be someone there uh, and I could see some of them were like af afraid to, to say certain things for fear they might you know get that in their record and affect their their career later or their chances of getting um, promoted if they were doing their they were getting ready to, to make rank okay so let me let me interrupt you because that's one of the things that I really try to hit on on the podcast you're saying that you know physically obviously it's a medical issue but you're saying you saw instances where these active duty sailors and you probably you probably saw some reservists uh, in an active role but you, you saw military service members that had an issue or you could tell that there was something wrong but they were afraid to ask for help they were afraid to get help because there would be repercussions is that correct yes so, even though they are told over and over again oh come tell us come you know, tell your chain of command, we'll, we'll get you help, but it, it would come in, into, to play, you know, when they would, when it would be coming to, to make rank or, um, even, you know, I think you dealt with that. Uh, that was one of the things that was really hard to see you go through because you are out and you have bad knees and you're hard of hearing. And yet you were so afraid to say something because, you know, what you told me was, I don't want that in my jacket. I don't want that in my, I don't want that to show in my record, you know, and now we're here where we are and we have nothing, no documentation, nothing to show for the injuries that you sustained in the 12 years you served. And that makes me angry and hurts me for you because it directly affects you and our family. I think that uh, nobody should ever have to work so hard to keep such a secret for fear of getting booted. Uh, I feel that when you enlisted, you gave your all, and then they don't give it. They don't give you their all when when the time is finished or when it finishes sooner for some than expected. Yeah. So just, you know, on, on my side of it, you know, this is, this is something that's come up in the podcast fairly recently with one of my other guests, but you know, one thing I saw and one thing, you know, j j and just to be clear, you know, we really didn't, we didn't really talk about any content or anything before we sat down. So I didn't, you know, prompt you in any way to discuss that, but that's one of the problems with the military is that, you know, they will push you and push you and push you. And while they're pushing you, they're telling you, you know, okay, you can get help if you need it, get help if you need it. 
but generally the first hurdle to that help is you're immediately stigmatized. Like, you know, okay, this is the crazy guy, you know, and again, you know, not so much, I'm not going to talk so much about the physical side because physically, you know, I felt I got out better than most, but mentally, you know, the damage was done. And again, the, one of the main purposes of this podcast is to get people talking about veteran suicide and suicide in general and destigmatizing it and letting people know that there is help out there. But, you know, circling back to, you know, my time in active duty and what you saw, you know, there was normally help available, but there was always a catch to it. You know, they wouldn't directly say, you know, like, well, you know, this might hurt your chances to advance. And it's not necessarily the case that it would, but there would be a gap in your service record or, you know, like for me, I started off on submarines and ended up getting medically disqualified. So my world in the Navy literally changed, you know, pretty much overnight. So now I have to learn a whole new job, a whole new way of doing things in a whole different side of the Navy. So they expect me to come in and perform at a certain level when I have no idea what I'm doing. All I knew was how to be a sailor. I didn't know anything about the job. But again, I feel like I got through it better than most. You know, a lot of people, you know, they're not given very much support or, you know, they're lost in the shuffle or they're, again, to go back one to my, one of my other guests, hopefully you've been following along on the podcast, but, you know, they try to get that help and they're denied. And that's just absolutely terrible. I mean, it's, it's unacceptable is what it is. And again, you know, here we have another testament to the fact, and this isn't even somebody that was actually in the Navy. You were just working for the Department of Defense in a civilian role. Right. Well, and I'm not sure about now with the whole, you know, Me Too that has come about, but, you know, we would see that happen with, that's why we did the the SARP and SAPR training. Um you know, right, always... let me, let, sorry. Let me let me let me interrupt you. Uh, we try not to use acronyms, but uh, I'm sorry. SAR, SARP and SAPR has to do with sexual assault, uh, sexual assault response, and then the training that's involved, basically just to ensure that the victim gets the support that they need, and that somebody outside of the chain of the command. Their job is, in theory, just to support the victim. So, go back to you said you were doing the SARP and SAPR training, which again is sexual assault, a sexual assault response. Right, and it just brought that to mind because you know that is there for for support. But I know, you know, personally, some people, both men or women, that had some instances happening or incidents I should say happened to them and the guy wouldn't say anything because he was afraid he was going to get razzed um and the girl didn't say anything because she was afraid that it would affect her um you know her her place in the command that you know should they try to move her you know away from that particular um duty or you know could get transferred to another another place um on base you know just just some of the things that they they would say so i'm that probably has changed just because of the times now 
I doubt it. I would I would hope so. <laughs> but so you're saying you know the guy in question, you know, obviously we can't go into details, but you know there was there was something going on that shouldn't have been, but you're saying he was scared to officially report it because he was afraid of that peer response. Yes. And okay, and so we know like they're held to a different standard because they're a man that they they should just either get over over it or you know. But and then, but again, you know, best case scenario in his mind, you know, per- perception being reality, you know, what he sees, you know, he's got two options: he can suffer in silence, or he can basically out himself and subject himself to that pure torture. Is basically what it is. And, of course, you know, it's well documented, you know, sexual assault creates trauma and especially ongoing sexual assault. So, I mean, here he is, you know, he's undergoing this horrible ordeal and he's afraid to get help because of what might happen, not even with the chain of command, but with people that are supposed to support him, people that are supposed to be there for him. Right. So he just kind of shut down for a while, you know, and became a little withdrawn. So, you know, I was, I was a little worried for him for a little while. But from what I can see, he's done pretty good. Just graduated um, college and um, you're still serving. So did he, did he confide in you at all or was this just something you observed? Uh, something that I observed and, you know, I should say kind of overheard a little bit. Um, so was, was he aware that you knew, or was this something y'all talked about? No, we, I, it okay. went, but I... So, okay. So, I gotta be really careful. I don't want to... Right, yeah, and, and that's understandable, but, I mean, my hope my hope is that, my, my sincerest hope is that, you know, one, that that's not going on anymore, and two he got the help that he needed and he deserved. And you said, if he's been able to move on, hopefully it's not just moving on. He's gotten help for it. Okay. And so the, the second part of what you said a a few minutes, a few moments ago, you talked about a female individual and she talked about, you know, a whole different side of it. And you know what it's, it sounds kind of, it might sound kind of harsh, but one of the things that can happen in that situation when somebody does report a sexual assault is they're removed from that situation. You know, if it's a larger base, if there's a place for them, they can move them to a different building. They can move them to a different place within the command. But the bottom line there is like, you know, if, if they like where they're at, if this is a good you know, we call them billets, but if it's a good job within the Navy, you know, it opens up different paths for you. But because of something that happened to her, because she was made a victim, she stood a chance to lose all that. Just by just by doing, again, by looking for some help, looking for somebody to listen to her, she could possibly lose all of that because, I mean, let's call it what it is, somebody somebody assaulted her 
So I mean, it's the same question: is this is this somebody else you've been in touch with or followed at all? Oh uh, yeah, we're we're friends on social okay. network. So is she is has she gotten help she needed? Is she aware that you know you knew of this? Um, yes, she's changed duty stations. She got a new orders. She PCS'd. Mm-hmm. So seems like she's doing good. So do, do you know? Did she get the help that she needs? Were you involved in that at all? I wasn't because it was shortly. I left shortly after. It was back in mm-hmm. um, okay. December fifteen. Okay, so I'll, I'll give you a little bit of homework. Uh, I would like you to reach out to her, and you know, you know, see how she's doing. See if she's got the help she needs. And either way, you know, I would like to be in touch with her I, if she's okay with that. I would like to talk to her. You know, and if nothing else, we can just share and, you know, know that somebody is out there for her. Somebody does care. And, you know, obviously you're that, you're that too, but, you know, I want you to, I would appreciate if you could put me in touch with her. Okay. She's, uh, she lives in Jacksonville now. She's, she's, yeah. Um, and then another thing, you know, I think about, um, you know, you talk about, I always worry about you know, falling through the cracks. You can, you can do 22 push-ups all day. You can do, you know, what's the, what's the tagline for that? 22. I'm not sure. It's the, the, uh, suicide prevention, um, challenge 22 or whatever. It started no. like a while ago. I'm not, I'm not aware of that. Um, where it would show different people active duty, um, accepting the challenge to do 22 push-ups um, every day for 22 days, I think. i got to look that up. Um, but it was supposed to be, it's kind of like the, the, was it AC, AC, the, the ice bucket challenge thing. Oh, the, yeah, I know what you're talking about. The ice bucket challenge, I, I'm aware of what you're talking about. Yeah, but this is for, um, strictly for military suicide prevention. Um, you know, they were doing that a lot you know, when I was there and I still see it it's still, still around. Um, one of the commanders I used to work with, um, her, her name is Mary Garcia. She's don't, don't say names. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I said her name wrong anyway. Yeah, That's <laughs> but, fine. Yeah. There, there's no context there. It's just a coincidence, uh, not a, a coworker, but yeah. She's an amazing individual and She's she's a firecracker. She's like four ten, and uh, I worked directly uh, alongside with her um, at the clinic. And she's very involved in um, you know anything that has to do with with supporting her uh, fellow um, so do, do, uh, is she is she still active duty? She is. So, so is she is she pushing more for the active duty side or the veteran side in general? Uh, it's actually both. Okay, well that, that, that's awesome. Again, okay. And more it's really ho- neat for her to do that because she's been to so many places. I think she's in Bahrain right now, and so every time she does her little challenge, she's in like some kind of a different uh, background, whether it be sand and or you know ocean from wherever wherever she's at at the time. She's she's had a career. Of, I couldn't imagine, you know, her being, her doing the things or myself being able to do the things that she's done. She's, 
she's been everywhere. Um, but yeah, she, she is supportive of that. And so that brought, uh, kind of that it hit home, you know, like why, why are people still falling through the cracks even though the help is there? You know, and I think about that young man, I think about him a lot and, you know, I don't know if you want to talk about it or not, but. Well, I mean, let's, let's get it out there because this is something that's affecting you again you know we're we're not gonna name names or any pertinent details but you know share as much as you want to share yeah i don't know the details you know around why it happened i just know that it affected me so much because he was only uh i mean what what happened i mean let's let's you know put it out there so we own a home in georgia and um we we rent it out. So yeah, we 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 have we have an investment property in Georgia. Yes, and so we primarily rent to military because we're like a mile away from the base, and it's like the only four bedroom house on the and within a four mile vicinity, I guess. Um, so it it stays full all the time. We've had the same people in there for a while. We've been really lucky. Um. But I, th I guess it was like 2017, I got a call from a property management uh, lady while I was at work here. And um, here, here would be in Austin, Texas. So we've been here for a little while. The, the house was being rented out by a, an active duty sailor and his wife, correct? Right. Okay. And they're a little they're a big husky dog. <laughs> um, and again, I don't know any details that around it. I just know that uh, when, she, when my property management lady called me she said I have some I have some news for you some horrible news I need to talk to you about are you sitting I need you to sit down and I I wasn't sitting down I was right in between patients and um she goes well she goes I just want to let you know that um the tenant that you had and or that you have in the place right now um decided to take his own life in the bathtub and I said, what? You know, and she said, yeah, he, um, he had shot himself. And, um, assuming it was, you know, in the head because of the amount of damage. Um, but it damaged three rooms out of the, out of the home, the living room, the entire bathroom, um, and we had those glass slider doors, uh, pretty dated, <laughs> but um, if those weren't, if those were not closed, they'd probably been a lot worse, but um, it went through the adjacent room, uh, your man cave, and um, damaged the windowsill and the back wall, um, two completely different walls, um, into the third bedroom, which was Danny's room at the, you know, we would live there, but, um, and I said, well, what happened? And she said, I, I don't know what happened. I just know that we need to get hazmat out there because I didn't know what we were going to do. We were in, in Texas here. I thought, are we supposed to clean that up you know that's the first thing I thought and then the second thing I 
I, I, I just started bawling my eyes out. And she said, "What, are, what's going on? And have you ever dealt with anything, anything like this before?" And I said, um, "Well, you know, it, it was different. Uh, <laughs> you know, I had, I had lost my brother recently, but it wasn't like that. Um, I think what hit me." the most as he was only 22 years old and at the time he was born the same month and the same year as our oldest daughter Alexa and uh, his birthday was February 21st hers is February 3rd so it just brought it home that that was just a baby to me he was he was just a baby and so yeah so and I mean you said you said it. I mean, he's 22 years old, and his life is over. And and I mean, we were we were only a part of his life in the most peripheral sense. But you know, I mean, here you are. You know, I've as sad as it is to say that I'm you know trying to address suicide in a podcast. I kind of blocked that out. But you know, here you are. You know, I mean. I'm sure it's coming out in your voice and, you know, people listening will hear, but you know, this is a couple of years later and I can still hear it coming out of your voice. It still affects you, you know, and to be sitting here talking about it, you know, and I mean, I'm feeling, hearing the story again, you know, it kind of, it kind of shames me that I did block it out. But, you know, again, this is, this is a young man that again, he's active duty and there is supposed to be help for him there. But, you know, he felt whatever he felt and, you know, he made that decision that ended it all for him. And, I mean, there's there's no other word for it. I mean, that's a tragedy. But, I mean, you know, sadly, there at the time, there wasn't anything we could do for him, but... You know, I mean, I'll, I'll go on record and I'll say it right now. You know, whoever was in charge of him there in Georgia, or maybe, you know, he was in Jacksonville, whatever, Florida, you know, but somebody there failed him. Well, not just somebody, more, multiple people. His chain of command failed him. The people around him failed him. You know, in some way, whether they didn't support him or they didn't recognize it or nobody cared enough to, to just talk to this person, to talk to this young man, you know, they, they failed him. And that's, that shames me and embarrasses me as somebody who wore the uniform and somebody who still supports the military. This is somebody that should still be here, but he's gone now because they failed him. I wish that, um, you know, somebody, I mean, I didn't know him, but if, you know, if I could have been a fly on the wall and just said, hey, you know, it feels so bad right now, but it's, it's not going to be this way forever. Um, you know, if it's a, the relationship thing, I don't know if they were having problems, but you know, there's so many things, there's so many ways around it. There's so many ways to get help and it shouldn't be, you know, waiting for somebody to cry out for help. You should be able to recognize the signs. I mean, when I was at the clinic, there was posters everywhere. How to recognize the signs. You know, that looks real good, PR, you know, having posters everywhere. But if you don't follow it, 
and you don't act on it and you don't say, you know, that's that whole, you know, if you see something, say something. And that doesn't always happen. So I, I think about that young man a lot. Um, my husband will ask me, you know, uh, you know, as we're paying the amount of rent that we are here, as opposed to our mortgage payment in Georgia for twice the house, and it's a gorgeous house. Um, I don't ever see myself living in it again. Uh, it's 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 a place of sadness for me. Um, and even though they completely redid the bathroom and looked completely different, painted a different color, you know, they put a new tub insert, even a new toilet. The toilet's new too. You know, even though that all looks different, it's, and I don't want to say tainted because that's not the word I'm looking for. I, it's, uh, it's a, it's a memorial for me and I just, I would have a hard time. You know, even if we were there and we were living in the house, I would have a hard time even being or using that that part of the house, which was the restroom. You know, there's two, just two and a half baths, I think, or two two baths. Two baths. Yeah, but I I don't. You know, we joke about it, but I I don't think I could ever do it. As beautiful as the house is, it's so it's such a nice home. <laughs> you know, but. Uh, there's just some tragedies you can't shake off. Yeah. And again, you know, you know, I'm just going to, I'm just going to kind of, you know, beat this point in and then we'll move on. But I mean, you know, we were only a part of his life in that, the sense of we owned where he stayed. And yet, but you're saying that, you know, this, this tragedy in his life, you know, it does, it does affect you and you've, you've carried your, your care, you've carried that and you're still carrying it. And I mean, you know, as somebody who's taken up this cause, I mean, you know, I'm going to make the promise right here, right now, you know, I'm, I'm never going to forget him again. I'm never going to push this out. I'm going to carry this with me and I'm going to remember it. And, you know, you know, ho hopefully I will never, hear somebody say like, you know, Hey, you saved my life because I don't want it to get to that point. But at the same time, you know, I do hope that if somebody out there needs somebody to talk to, I hope I'm there and available for them because I mean, you know, for, for whatever you want to, you, the listener, forever you want to think about it, you know, this is something that is affected our lives and it's going to, it's a part of our lives. And, like I said, I'm I'm promising right here, right now that I'm never going to forget this or put this aside again. Right. You want to take a break? Sure. Take a quick break. Okay. Right, and we're back. So, uh, yeah, I mean, we... I'm not going to say it went dark, but, you know, that's why we're here. You know, we're pushing the talking cure. Uh, this is something that, you know, that affected... You know, you, Shayla, you as my wife, as my partner, you know, you took it a little bit more to heart than I did up till now. But, you know, I'm, I sat here and gave you the pledge and, you know, whoever does listen to this, I'm going to be accountable to them that he's never again going to be forgotten. That young man that was in our life. 
So, um, going forward, yeah. is there anything else you would like to share? Anything else you'd like to talk about? Um, there's some frustrations I have with um, the way things are processed uh, through the VA, through, uh, you know, there's so many things that people are finding out later in life that they're affected. You know, my dad, for one, uh, I know that he's had pretty much, you know, he, he kind of eats what he wants and smokes, smokes like a chimney, but you know, there's never been diabetes in our family, um, ever. And, uh, he's the first one that's had it. Um, he did put on a lot of weight relatively quickly, but I really feel that some of these men, you know, um, like my dad, and I know that, uh, Manny's grandfather had some some issues with late diagnosed diabetes, and they are um, some of, some of it's being attributed to you know was it Agent Orange in in Vietnam, and you know that they were exposed to, and so you know her granddad actually gets he did all the paperwork, so he gets some kind of a disability check from from the Air Force. Um, you know, my dad, I told him to look into it, but he knows that it's going to be like a gazillion pages of paperwork and research and, you know, anything dealing with the government takes 3,000 times longer. And so I know he's going to let it go, but, you know, it's just like with you, um, you know, we could push it and try to figure out a way to to prove that you know your knee problems are because of the military or whatever but you know it would take years and years and years to in documents upon documents upon documents to prove it you know and I don't think that the veterans should be put through that I think that you know if you serve time you know especially like our, our uh, or, you know, my dad and grandfather who's now dead, but my my dad or anybody that's that's served, they should never ever have to worry about health care ever. And um, you know, I know they have Tricare for life if you uh, retire or whatever, but that shouldn't be like if you retire. It should be if you serve, you are going to get health care for life. It's just you you sign that check to to give your life. You know, they should sign that check to pay for it. And uh, it really frustrates me that I see veterans come into my clinic because they can't get what they need from the VA. Um they can't get things done in a in a timely manner it seems. Uh everything takes forever. And you know, whether it be a referral that's needed or MRI that needs to be done or, you know, I'm glad that they, they did change. Like remember that one time when you and, and Maddie were sick as dogs and you had it, you were, you had, <laughs> I, I had, I, I had pneumonia is what it ended up being. And gastroenteritis. 
Oh, and gastroenteritis, meaning I had an extremely upset stomach. And they wanted me to drive to the main clinic, which was several hours away. And they wanted me to drive to Gainesville, Florida. And, okay, so yeah. With yeah. you. Yeah, they they and Maddie. Well they they didn't they didn't really care, you know, how I got there. But I mean, again, to just to be clear, I had pneumonia and I had a severely upset stomach. I could not I was a fairly fit individual aside from that. I could not stand. I could not stand up. Uh, I was having trouble getting to the bathroom to take care of what I needed to take care of. But they told me that I needed to go several hours away because that facility was not an acute care facility. And I was like, well, the only option for me then is to have my wife take the day off, miss work, and drive me several hours. And they just looked at me and basically said, well, that's the choice you're going to have to make. Well, it wasn't just you. I mean, I had Maddie. Maddie was sick. Yeah, you guys were both sick. Our daughter was sick. And then we had a couple-month-old baby. Yeah. And so I was having both of you with not being able to get away from the bathroom. And then the baby. And I was supposed to drive to Gainesville, Florida. And um, I just thought, that is unacceptable. Fine. We'll we'll pay the, the hospital bill. I took, I took you guys to... Um, Camden, you know, Southeast Georgia Health Systems, and we had you both side by side in the bed getting IVs and shots. And, you know, luckily, after, you know, they saw everything in the doctor's, uh, the HMP, the, the discharge papers, um, I had to appeal it, but they did finally cover it. But that should never be a thing. I mean, that if you're sick like that, you should be able to go to a local hospital. Um, you know, like I think it's, I think they have made a change. Like if you're 28 miles out or something like that, then you can go to a, a closer place. But this was, you know, a few years ago. And I just thought that was so unacceptable to be treated that way because they didn't want to pay you. They didn't want to pay for you to go to a, a, a private clinic or a hospital. And I, I, I believe I, ha I haven't looked into it because luckily, you know, I haven't been in that situation, but I believe there is a change. And if VA healthcare is not readily available to you, you are allowed to go to a private physician under the new healthcare system. But I'm not sure. Don't quote me on that. But uh, I believe I know there has been some changes and they've been better changes. Right. But that kind of, it's not really a smooth segue, but this really, you kind of hinted at one of the reasons why I was really insisting to have you on the podcast. You know, if you can't tell, she's been re very nervous and she didn't want to do this to begin with. <laughs> and I kind of begged and pleaded with her, but, uh, you know, she just kind of talked about that little story where, you know, she's basically taking care of the whole family for that one instance. But, you know, this is, this is going to be a little bit hard for me, but this is something that needs to be said, and I want to say it to, again, my wonderful, lovely wife, the woman who has to sleep with me, you know. But, you know, when we said our vows, you know, there's a part in there we joke about, but 
you know, in sickness and in health, and she really took that seriously. You know, she just talked about how, you know, she was ready to drive us to several hours, even though we had a brand new baby, uh, a sick younger daughter, and then I was so sick, I couldn't even stand up to go to the toilet. But there's been several times in our relationship where my mental health, as it related to the Navy and my career and being processed and treated the way I was and the way our situation was that, you know, I'm, I'm speaking directly to you now that, you know, I was not the husband or supporter or person that you deserved, but through the whole thing, I mean, you were the rock that held everything together and, you know, you got us through this. Or through that, I should say, you know, and there was, you know, I haven't really gone into too many details of my personal story. That's coming up soon. But, you know, I have said that I was treated inpatient a couple of times from my mental health. And one of the one of those situations, you know, we had a brand new baby. We had a daughter who was, you know, she made the decision to enter the adult world in less than ideal circumstances. And we had another daughter living with us and we were in a horrible place financially. And at this point, mentally I'm falling apart and you, I mean, I'm not, I'm not exaggerating when I say like you were my savior and this is where I started to get really emotional, <laughs> but you did a hundred percent of the work to first get me seen by the VA and then get me the inpatient treatment that I really needed. And, you know, had you, had you not done that, had you not stepped up and shouldered that responsibility to get me the help that I needed? I mean, I think you'll agree that, you know, we would not still be together and there's a very good chance that I probably wouldn't I probably wouldn't be on this earth. And you you actually did that several times. You went so far above and beyond, you know, even being an extraordinary wife, I think you went so far above and beyond that and you were so I mean, I can't think of any word other than just amazing. And you know, you weren't you're not a crisis counselor. So, you know, there wasn't, there were some times where you couldn't do what I needed done and you had to get help with that, but you did it. And like I said, you, you supported me the whole time. You held our family together and you helped me get the family or get the family. You helped me get the help and treatment that I needed. And the only reason we're here now in this what I think we have now is a wonderful, beautiful relationship. You know, we have this wonderful family. And the only reason we have that is because you not only listened to me, but you helped me and you took over all the duties that I should have been shouldering. And you did that. And I mean, I can't even say we made it work. You made it work. And I mean, from the bottom of my heart, you know, I thank you and I, never been able to tell you thank you enough but here I am telling you face to face and I'm sharing it with everybody that's ever going to listen to this forever and ever and ever
Well, I mean, I, I did kind of sign up for it. <laughs> well, you know, you're when you said for better or worse, you know, I didn't take that as a challenge, but again, you know, you've asked me to keep some things between us for now, and maybe we'll share that later, but... You know, I will just say, like like I've said a couple of times already, you know, before in other podcasts and here now, I was, there was, there were times in our relationship that I don't think there's anybody on this earth that would have blamed you for taking the kids and leaving. And, you know, if I was lucid and able to look and see like, you know, well, I mean, let's, I mean, let's not sugarcoat it. If I saw somebody that was in the situation you were in. I would have said, you need to leave. You know, I would have done a full-on intervention and said, you know, this is not good for you. This is not the situation the kids need to be in. You need to leave. You know, you're still young. You can find somebody else. That is not the kind of person you need to be in. And like I said, luckily, you know, luckily we got through that. And it is because of you that we did. And here we are podcasting about it right now. We're both getting emotional, but, you know, tonight I'm going to fall asleep and I'm going to hug you. And (laughs) even though I tell you every night how thankful I am and how lucky I am to be with you, you know, I hope you understand it when I mean it. And now that I've, again, now that I'm sharing it with the world, you know, hopefully you'll understand that I really do mean it when I say that. I do. I love you. I love you too. <laughs> Give me a kiss. <laughs> so, so, I think you know some of the things that I talk, I have talked about with my my friends, you know, and when I did work with, um, you know, active duty, and I took care of, you know, dependents that came in. I used to always get so frustrated because I think the. Uh, the joke name is Dependa, but uh, when the women would come in and, you know, they would try to wear their husband's rank on their shoulder, you know, like they earned it, I would get so angry, you know, because that that didn't belong to them, you know, or you see the, the stickers on the women's cars, you know, Navy wife, toughest job in the Navy, you know, it's, it's hard to be home, um, alone sometimes and and be the mom, but I don't take any of that or never took any of that away from you. You earned every bit of everything that you, that you got. And, uh, well, I'm, I, I don't know if I'm interrupting you, but I will say, that at least in your case, you know, what you went through and what you did and how you held us together. I mean, there is no way I will ever be able to repay you for what you did and what you were able to accomplish. And, you know, while my career was, you know, it was tough being in the military. I think you being a veteran's wife and, you know, being in that situation and, a lot of your support was taken away because I was no longer active duty. And so instantly, you know, a lot of that support structure is gone. You know, the fact that you did all that and we came out of the other end so much better and so much happier and so much stronger. I mean, I think you proved that at least your part was the toughest part. 
Because, I mean, you know, I mean, me, you know, in some degree, there was always somebody there for me. You know, as long as I did what I was supposed to do, I was always going to get help. You know, and obviously for things to get as bad as they did, I didn't always do that. But I I mean, it's bad to say out loud, but, you know, basically once I was processed out, a lot of your support structure went away, you know, and at that point you pretty much became nobody in the, in as far as the system goes, you know, there wasn't any more help for you. Like they have several different programs through what they call fleet and family services, you know, that's not available to you anymore. You know, the chain of command itself, you know, they're not there for advice anymore. So, yeah, I mean, without a doubt, your part was, was the toughest part because again, you know, it's not a partnership anymore. I mean, I was physically and emotionally helpless and you held it together. I mean, you, you, I mean, I, that, that's it. I mean, you held it together. You made it work. I mean, you're not just the glue. I mean, you're like the nails, you're the, the hammer, you're, you, I mean, I, I just keep saying, you held it together. It, it was the only reason we are here now, and I've already said this, and I'll say it again, and hopefully you, you take it in. The only reason we're doing this right right here, right now, is because you were strong enough, and you were kind enough, and you were loving enough, and you were committed enough to make it make it work. And I know, you know, I'm, I'm not going to go and say who, but I know somebody very close to both of us you know, that told you, you know, you need to leave. And it was for your health and for your safety. But you, you made the decision not to do that. And we're here. I, um, I think about it sometimes, you know, I, I, I really loved being, you know, that, that, military wife, that Navy wife. I, I really loved that life. A lot of people don't like that. Um, you know, just uprooting every four years or, you know, whatever. Um, well, there was that one time I did make you go by yourself to Virginia. But <laughs> well, that was a mutual decision. And that's, that's more than we'll get into right now. But I, I do, I miss that life. And when, uh, you know, I, I really felt important because I was able to you know, see you come off of, I shouldn't say come off of, because it was several years before that, but where you couldn't trust the person that you were married to. And, uh, you know, it, it made me strive to push harder. You know, I'm going to prove to him, I'm going to pay all these bills and get them all paid on time. I'm not going to you know, be frivolous with money, I'm going to be responsible, and I'm going to, you know, do all this stuff while he's gone, and we're going to, we were doing the, the martial arts, mixed martial arts, um, you know, gym, and like five times a week we were taking the, or I was taking the kids, you know, I just, I wanted to do that and, and prove to you that I could and that you could trust me, you know, no Jody being around or anything like that. <laughs> um, well, you definitely you definitely proved that, and again, for for my part, I mean, you were what I hope everybody finds. You know, you were there to help me when I need it. You listened, and that's the big thing. 
that I push with this podcast is that I was not in a good place. I needed help and you listened and you know, you saved me. I think one of the things that would have been a little bit, you know, easier for you to transition would be if I feel like, um, you were just stripped of everything when they, when they did the ERB, you know, it wasn't like, it wasn't your fault. You know, it, it was a stupid, well, I, I probably, I probably made it easy on him, but we're not, we're not going to go too deep into that. That's, that's a different time. We can talk about that later if you want. <laughs> well, I'm just, you know, yeah. the, the, the paycheck, I missed <laughs> but yeah. you know, I mean, it would have been easier to transition from the Navy. I don't think you would have had such a, a hard time and, and been emotionally, um, you know, destroyed, d- destroyed as you were, if, you know, they didn't do the things that they did. Oh, we're going to give you, um, two years of commissary privileges and then that's it. Or, you know, we're going to let you have six months of health insurance and then that's it. Um, you know, is it the, you get, you got like basically half your year's pay and that's it, you know, and for 12 years of your life, I feel like that was not even comparable to, you know, a quarter of what you deserved when you got out, you know, and it wasn't just you, it was, you know, 2,942 other sailors. And, um, you know, some didn't make it. Some, you know, you can read back with the... the um, so there was there was at least three of them out of the group that I got processed with. Uh, there was at least three of them that committed suicide. Right. And yeah. with my part, I mean, you know, I'm pushing it now, you know, and I'm saying, you know, it's not worth it. But I was almost there. You know, the exact same situation that these sailors were in, these veterans were in, but, you know, whatever they felt, they went that direction. And those, again, there's three more lives that, you know, I'm indirectly related to, and they're gone. But again, we'll, I will... I hate to leave it hanging like that, but I'll go into much more detail on that later as far as the how and why of I was processed out and why I felt the way I did. And we'll talk about a lot of the circumstances that she was just addressing. But, uh, so yeah, uh, I mean, was there anything else you wanted to say on that or safe to move, move, move on for the moment? Yeah. Or just, you know, when people ask about that, they say, Oh, is it how your tenure or whatever is completely different. I, I don't want you know, that to be like a, a stigma of that. Yeah. But no, I mean, that's, that's it. So, uh, so one of, one of the, the other side of the podcast that I try to push is just saving our stories in our own voices. And, uh, again, I kind of hooked you into this. So I, I don't know if you have a story ready, but you know, I'll share a little something. And then if you want to take it, you know, share something. I mean, I know you came home and told me some, some stories from when you were working on base or even when you were just, you know, the quote unquote, when you were just the Navy wife, but you know, I'll, I'll share a couple of short stories. And then if there's something you want to share, we'll do that. But, uh, I remember 
when, when I met you, uh, we started dating. We officially started dating December 31st of 2004 because we went out for New Year's Eve. And, you know, we, we rang in the New Year's with a big old sloppy public kiss. And, you know, you pulled me into the corner and kind of molested me a little bit. <laughs> but, uh, you know, it was a couple of weeks later. Uh, you had your older daughter with you. The younger daughter was with her family for the weekend, but you had your older daughter with you. And I said, you know, well, Hey, well, how about we just go drive around and do a couple of little things? And you said, okay, well, is there anywhere specific? And there wasn't, I mean, I had a couple of things in mind and this was in, uh, Bremerton, Washington. And one of the thing, one of the smaller bases in that area was that was is it keyboard smaller bases yeah was, um banger psms we talking about where we where we went to the submarine museum oh no that was um i think it was keyboard well anyway in one of the the smaller they had a really small it really wasn't much more than a facility naval facility but there was a small base or small annex whatever they wanted to call it but Associated with that was a public museum, and it was a, a submarine, pri primarily a submarine museum. And so it was you, me, and your older daughter. And I just remember, you know, we go around, and y'all were, were talking, and we're holding hands, and she's going back and forth, and she keeps, even though she just met me, she's coming up and giving me hugs, and and then at the very end, you know, as you're fixing to exit the museum, they had a little photo op and they had several, you know, naval uniform costumes. And I remember she tried every one of them on and she made us take pictures of everyone. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, there's that. Uh, let's take a quick break real quick before we continue on. Okay. And we're back. So yeah, uh, just told a brief story about you know how we went to the submarine museum and your daughter. Yeah, you know, I don't know if she wants us to share her name, but uh, she really hammed it up the first time I really met her. So, uh, so yeah, is there anything you want to say, or do you want me to wrap it up, or any story you want to share? Anything that stands out? Mm. No, I think I think we can. Leave it at that <laughs> for now. <laughs> well, I mean, there were just, there were a lot of different things that, you know, again, along the way you supported, you supported me through that phase of my Navy career. When you met me, I was already active duty and you had a pretty good idea of what was going on. So, you know, I'll tell, I'll tell a quick story and then, you know, I'll, and then we'll wrap it up. But you know, when, like I said, I met you, we officially started, started dating December 31st, 2004. And then a couple of months later in the spring of 2005, I had to go what was called a Westpac, which means we got deployed to the Western Pacific. Well, now, you know, up to this point in time, you know, I'd been married to my first wife, you know, since I was very young. So now here I am. I'm I'm the stereo I am the stereotypical sailor at this point. I'm now single. I don't have any bills to pay. 
I'm free. And you know, all I, all I have is a, you at home. Who I've only been dating a couple months. Now, if I was less of a person, <laughs> there was a lot of things I could do. And one of the stories I told you, and I'll just, I'll relive this real quick. And then again, I will, I will tie it back to you. So just, you know, don't hit me yet. <laughs> but, uh, one of the Sobeys. Yeah. Well, <laughs> kind of like that. But, uh, I think I told you this story, but if not, you know, here you go. But, uh, one of the port calls we made was in, I think it was called, I, I, I can't remember if it was Pattaya or Pattaya beach in Thailand. But, you know, where we were at, you know, we, it was a big tourist area and it was just absolutely beautiful. It was amazing. I had, it was one of the funnest times I've had in, in my life, but they had what we all called main street. And I don't know, I don't remember what the laws were, but it seemed like most restaurants didn't serve alcohol, but you went down main street and main street was nothing but bars. And the fact of the matter is if they sold alcohol on Main Street, they also sold sex. Now, I honestly, 100%, I was not interested in anything I had to pay for. But towards the end of the evening, it was very hot and it was very humid and all the restaurants were closed. And we actually got kicked out of the one restaurant we, were, we had finished eating because they just wanted us to move along. So we're like, all right, well, you know, it's hot. We're not ready to go back. Let's have a few drinks. So we or we go into one bar and we start having a couple of drinks. And there's no other word to say it, but two of the whores came by. One sat next to my buddy and one sat next to me. And they're chatting us up and they're like, hey, let's go upstairs. You know, in their, in their pidgin English, you know. That, that is the one thing I found out that everywhere you go in the world, everybody knows what boom boom means. <laughs> everybody <laughs> so i'm sitting here we're me and my buddy my they were they're called liberty buddies you know you can't be alone so i'm with my liberty buddy and we're just ordering a couple of drinks to wrap up the night neither one of us were very big drinkers but again if they sold booze they sold sex so we're sitting here and, and we're chatting them up and every now and then the currency they had was called bot and every now and then you know we'd give them like you know 10 bot or something the exchange rate was almost 40 baht to the dollar. So, you know, we're basically giving them a quarter just to stop talking. <laughs> so we're just, we're sitting there. And after a while, Mama-san, and that's, that's another one. Everywhere you go, she's Mama-san. <laughs> mm -hmm. uh, Mama-san comes over and she starts talking to us. And like I said, they do speak some English, but we're try just trying to explain, you know, okay, you know, here, here's a couple of baht. We just want to order drinks. The girls are beautiful. We're having a great time. Uh, what they would do occasionally was they would pull alcohol wipes out of the refrigerator and rub you down with it. It felt amazing. And Mama-san is like, well, my girls are great. You know, it's like, yes, your girls are beautiful. You're beautiful. The booze is great. You know, we're having a great time. You know, just please, you know, just stop trying to sell us boom boo. <laughs> we, we don't want boom boo. And then, you know, finally I got to the point in the night, uh, you know, she, we – we just could not get her to understand we were not interested in boom boom and we'd ordered enough drinks and we just, like I said, we just given the girls money at this point, you know, cause for them time is money, but we're just, 
we're just having fun. But at this point, it's literally a sandwich with a hooker on my left and Mama-san on my right. And then my buddy, he's over here. I can't even see him because, like I said, between Mama-san and the girl he's talking to. And the whole time I'm thinking about, like, you know, I mean, one, I'm thinking it's not worth it. And I'm like, dude, what kind of relationship am I really in? I said, at this point, you know, I didn't know you were going to be the woman I married, <laughs> but I'm just like, you know, okay, is it really worth getting kicked out of this bar over? I don't know what Mama Son's trying to do. I don't want to insult him, but I also don't want to go anywhere else because at this point, you know, I was pretty tipsy. And if we sat down and had any more drinks, I was going to be drunk and in trouble. But eventually Mama Son just understood, you know, just we probably paid for whatever we wanted to just giving them money to shut up. And she finally understood like that. We were happy. We were having a good time. The girls were great, but we were just, we weren't going to pay for sex. And eventually she got that picture and she's like, Oh, okay. And eventually the girls, they're just, again, you know, they're, they're chatting us up and they're rubbing our backs and they're rubbing our necks. And like I said, they're every now and then they would get these, cold alcohol wipes and rub the back of our neck and eventually we're like okay we think it's time to go and my buddy looks at me he's like are you sure you want to go and like I said I'm looking and we again anything we wanted we could have had and I thought to myself I was like okay one I'm not going to pay for it like I've already said and two I don't know what it's going to be but there's no way I can ever do this and then go home And look this woman that I'm dating in the eye and say like, oh, you know, no, nothing happened. So I was like, yeah, I'm good. I think we need to go. So we eventually left. And that was one of my big Thailand stories. (laughs) (laughs) Again, no, no climax, so to speak. (laughs) But just like, you know, a restful, relaxing day with a sandwich of me and prostitutes. Yeah, well, I remember you, you did tell me a little bit about that. And so the other day, I was, what well, was in the other days, but uh, a couple months ago, I ran across this, I don't know how it got on my Facebook feed, but it was a product. Um, it was like a nasal inhaler that was supposed to be, it had different scents and it was supposed to um, energize you or relax you or or whatever. And the name of the product was boom, boom. <laughs> and I wrote them and I said, who, who is your marketing department? And who, why did you choose that name? And I told them the story about the Thailand and the boom, boom. And, um, I think they blocked me because it's, uh, it never came up on my Facebook feed again. <laughs> yeah, that's great. It looks like a like it looks like a Vix uh, nasal <clears throat> inhaler. Yeah. So I'm wondering if they got enough comments to change their name on their product. I might look at that after this just so I can see. Well, I mean, I'm sure it's like that with most of the service, but if you say boom boom to a guy in the navy, you're talking about sex in some form. <laughs> So they clearly did not do their research on that. <laughs> so, Miss um, Verhalen, again, the love of my life, the woman who, without whom I would not be here. 
Uh, this is typically, you know, again, you said you're nothing really you want to share at this point, but I, this is where I open it up to you. You know, you can have the last word if you want it. Well, you might want to write this down because this is going to be the first time I'm not going to have the last word. Oh, well, I'm recording it. <laughs> <laughs> so. so, yeah, I'm, I'm okay. We can save the, uh, the other stuff for another time. Okay. All right. Well, um, so if y'all don't hear from me, it's because she murdered me in my sleep hearing <laughs> my my sexless hooker story from me in Thailand. But uh, I just want to say, you know, even though we've very little of what we talked about here hasn't been talked about before. But, you know, again, for my part, you know, what I've said, you know, it's out there for everybody to hear and. I'm now accountable to everybody as far as what I'm saying and what I'm living. And I just, I hope that's something that you can respect and appreciate and hopefully not hold over my head too much. But, uh, yeah, if there's nothing else, we'll just say, I will point out that this is far and away the longest podcast I've ever done. You know, I'm not very far into it, <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, this is the longest one. And, you know, who knows? Maybe it'll stay that way. So, all right. Well, again, I love you, and good night. Love you, too. Be <laughs> safe out there. Bye-bye. <laughs>